0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Scentsy Craft. I'm the Gnarly Gnome. Welcome back. I think this is uh, wrapping up our Oktoberfest extravaganza of 2019. I don't know what the actual total number of Oktoberfest shows are, but um, we did a lot of them. Um, Today's guest, you guys probably, if you listen to the show on any kind of regular basis, you know him because he holds the record for the most (laughs) appearances on the show ever, and the universe, it's a, not even a world record, it's a universe record. There you go. Andy Reynolds. Welcome okay. back. How you doing? We're at Alexandria for uh, Alexandria Fest? Is that what that's we're calling it? That's the
1: name it? of the beer. It's Oktoberfest, but the burr is B-E-E-R.
0: Okay. So o- Oct- October beer Fest. Fest. Oh, yeah. that's that's clever. Yeah, I see what you did there because yeah. of beer. Yeah. Why not, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to dive into some of the... Uh, probably the more technical sides of Oktoberfest today because that's something that we, <laughs> we, we I tried to kind of touch on it when we did our big Oktoberfest showdown which you were not a part of since you didn't have your beer yet. Yeah. Um, and I I know so little about beer styles, the brewing process, that kind of stuff that it's just it's always, it's, it's a failure when I try to touch on it but uh, <laughs> that's why I bring you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but before we do that we need to uh, to drink some beer because um, you know, beer. It's really loud. Yeah. It's okay. I can fix it. Hopefully, if this is all working the way it's supposed to work. We, we are trying something new out for the show. So for anybody who's been upset about the the, the crappy show quality as of the last, <laughs> the last couple of months, hopefully it's fixed now. Um, but um, I'm experimenting <laughs> with some stuff, so I don't know. And my screen keeps going to sleep on me, and that's going to drive me crazy because it's going to make me all worried that it's not working. Um where should we start here? Do you I, want to I'd start with the October
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I'm drinking. So this way we're on the same
0: page. Okay, so this one is called Alexandria
1: Fest. Fest. Yeah,
0: real original. Um, is this Fest beer, Martzen, somewhere in between? It's what a is Martin. this? Um, Tell me about the Martzen style. Help me so understand what it is. This
1: actually, this year it finished a little bit on the lighter side, but it's still within that same color range that it needs to be in. Um, typically, it's a little darker and it's a little heavier. I think ours finished at 6.08% alcohol. Um, and you wind up with, like, a sweeter caramel-type malty backbone to it. Um, it's not that it's... I, to me, almost any lager that you have is going to be kind of lighter, and, and I think that's more of the crispness of it than anything else, you know? Right. But that's that's kind of the... The, I guess the difference between like if you're talking a Martzen or you're talking uh, a fest beer, the big difference or a, is a
0: German party lager. Yeah, I mean
1: that's really <laughs> what it Listerman. is. No, it's it, it, the whole thing. And in, in my mind, the reason it even came about was to appease the American tourists that come over to Munich for Oktoberfest and get mad that they don't have, or they just get entirely too crazy. Annihilated that you know, they see, needed something lighter for them.
0: And so correct me if I'm wrong here, if you know the answer to this. I'll do my and, best. And every time I've looked, so the BJCP style guidelines have Festbeer and Martin. Yeah. But they've got them as the same ABV.
1: Fesbier should be lighter. It should, it, be like, it should be a
0: little easier drinking, a little lighter in, in I, color, flavor, and ABV to me, right? Yeah,
1: well, it, it should be. I mean, if you look at any commercial example... They finish between, like, 45 and 5.5%, and your Martin starts at, like, 55 to, like, 68 I think, or something like that. Right. It's a, I kind of remember it being a weird range. It's been a long time since I've looked at the BJCP, but that's my kind of understanding <laughs> about it.
0: So to me, during the day when the sun's out and it's beating down on you and you're outside in a beer garden or wherever you may be, just pounding a bunch of beer at an Oktoberfest, singing and, and acting a fool... That's when you drink fest beer. No, you and, should drink a Martzen the whole time. And then when the sun starts to go down and you're in the beer garden and all the lights come on and you're pounding beer, that's when you drink Martzen. I, I
1: don't know. <laughs> See, I, I disagree with that. I, I think it's really personal preference more than anything else. But um, I, I always associate a Martzen with Oktoberfest. And when you right. talk of fest beer itself, I mean, the whole reason it, it's a lighter beer, you know, and I think it's kind of more of. I don't want to say, it, it almost reminds me of, um, what's it called? The, uh, Great Lakes is known for a Dortmunder or something like that. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's not
0: that light though. Like there's, yeah. there, well, and maybe it, may it is supposed to be that light, but like there's, to me, it, it kind of falls in between, like that that Dortmunder or like a even a like a, v, a Vienna Lager, like yeah. in between in between that and something that's a little bit heavier.
1: I, I would agree with that too.
0: I, not that not that Martin's are heavy though. That's the whole thing. Like it's not well, that
1: they're, they're not, but you know, it, it, Martin's kind of in line with a Bach. You know, they're they're like basically, I don't know, polar opposites in a way, just because of when their <coughs> releases are or what have you, but. um I kind of think you know a Martin's kind of in that that same line. It's usually a lighter color, but it's it's you know that same ABV or whatever. And a Fest beer, I, I would probably say is, is between a Vienna and a, and a Martin in my mind, or a Vienna and a, and a Bach beer. But you know, if you think about a brewery like Shiner in Texas, Shiner Bach, for example, that's a fairly <laughs> light Bach. Um, it's a solid one. I, I I like it. I mean, it's not. It's well, it's, not in it's my top 10, but you like, know.
0: Like, like Jenny Bach, which was, was one of my go to uh, bachelor beers when I was poor and couldn't afford yeah. good beer. I could always throw some Jenny Bach in the fridge and it satisfied some of that craft beer urge yeah. for cheap. Yeah. But it's not, it's not a, to me, it's not a good example of what a Bach is. And there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Martins now that I think aren't a good example of what a Martins supposed to be either, though.
1: Yeah. And, and I'd probably, well, I, I want to probably agree with that. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind about it. Um, I, I just always think of when I think of a a traditional margin though I think of a little bit more caramel to it. I think of it being a little bit sweeter, and I think of it kind of lingers in the back of your throat a little bit. You know what I mean? And I, that might sound weird. I, I don't know. People might think I'm crazy for saying that, but fesh beer, on the other hand, it goes down like like an American more, more lager. crisp and more
0: yeah. uh, clean and uh, not cl- clean's not the right word. More crisp and like and, and light. Yeah, light, I, I guess is the only way to put it.
1: Yeah, I, I guess that's the only way to really put it.
0: Tell me um, about this one specifically. So I assume all German ingredients.
1: Actually, I'm a big fan of, of Brees, and I try to use them. More. Number one, it, it's when I was at Siebel, I, had, I was fortunate enough to visit their manufacturing facility, and Brees is in Wisconsin, for anybody who doesn't know that. Um, big malt provider, though, in the U.S. Um, they're a little bit more pricey than, you know, if you go with, like, the... Some of the other malts, but they're not as pricey. They're not as pricey as importing like wireman or something like that, which is a true German malt. Right. Personally, I think I get better flavor out of it, and I know they've got better quality control because if you, all it does is taking a bag and opening it up, and you see nothing but like, shouldn't say nothing but because there's always tons of barley in there. But if you're looking through it at the top, I always get three or four rocks. I always get. <laughs> Those are I,
0: flavor crystals.
1: <laughs> I, I always get, like, stems. I get pieces of corn. With Breeze, it's rare. It does have, I mean, everybody's, they're going to pick up stuff. It, it, there's no way around that. It's just It's part of the process. It's out in the field. It's agriculture. But Breeze has, it seems to me, their quality control is better. So any of my base malt or any of my, like, caramel malt, even my Munich malt, I try to go with Breeze. Now, with this, I actually do use Wireman's Munich malt just to make it more traditional. Right. But other than that, I, I use Brees. Um, and I know that might be contrary to what most people think about me in terms of a brewer, but at the same time, I, I think it's about quality. And if you chew on the malt as much as I do and you actually taste it and things like that, I, I tend to believe, and I might be crazy, but I tend to believe that, that Breeze puts a better product out than, than well, And
0: and Flavor-wise, there is there is no, correct me if I'm wrong, there's no difference between a malt that is grown here in the United States and something that might be grown in Germany or wherever it may be, other than some processes that maybe right. they still do that other people don't it's do. It's actually
1: in the malting is where the, where the difference is going to come in. I mean, it, it's, it's a grass seed at the end of the day, right? I mean, right. barley, wheat, rye, I think even oats to that matter, they're all grasses. <coughs> Excuse me. So I think, um, I don't know. You know, really what you're getting is you're getting this old school way of malting over in in Germany, and they do the old school stuff with Breeze. So I don't, I don't know, man. I I don't know if I'm making sense here. I might be beating a dead horse, too.
0: But you compare that to something like hops. Like hops, there's a very distinct flavor difference in some of the things that are grown there versus here versus.
1: I'm going to screw up the term. What is it? Terroir?
0: Terroir. Terroir. (laughs) Um
1: there's the way that hops are grown, they're very they're actually very similar to grapes. They've got a rhizome, which is what grapes have, they keep regrowing every year. So you can cut part of a grape vine off in the bottom, replant that someplace else, and you'll wind up with a completely different grape if you move it across the country. Right. Um and I I don't know if that's a hundred percent true with hops, but it's definitely to some extent.
0: You know what I mean? Um Well that's what we hear about some of these these hops and I I can't think of good examples. I'm sure you can probably say something better than me, but you know, you take like a you know, like a Cascade hop that's that's an American hop and then you bring it over to Europe or or somewhere else and you try to grow that same variety. You'll you'll get something that's related to that, but it doesn't taste the same.
1: Um see I I haven't heard of much of that going on though. Like I, I know with Hallertau, which is a German hop, they brought it over to the United States and they're very similar. There is a big difference between a US-grown, and, and same with Northern Brewer, that's a German hop too, if I remember right, and they brought it to the US. But a lot of the reasons the German hops come to the US is because Germany's been brewing or been growing hops for what, I, I think the first time it was quoted that hops were used in beer was like the 600s. So I mean, think about how long those hop strains have been kind of cultivated over there. Mm. So there's a lot of diseases, there's a lot of funguses and stuff like that that they that have developed around those hops. Then in the United States, we don't really have,
0: which kind of goes back to the whole grape thing again. Yeah. I, to me, to me, hops are are the more so, well, and you get into yeast, and that's a whole different thing. But the <laughs> the, the the terroir of beer. Well, like no, it, to I, me I,
1: I disagree with that too. I, don't I know. think it's all the same. I I think they all play their equal. Water, for that matter. It. it they all play an equal role i think it's a big difference between beer and wine or or beer and any any other any other alcoholic beverage out there i think that that's the biggest difference is we've got four things that all play equally equally amount of importance now you use a shit ton i am i allowed to say shit ton. you're allowed to say shit ton. okay i use a shit ton more grain than i do hops or yeast you know, if, if you're comparing volume or weight or whatever you want to say, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, if I started, if I changed to the cheapest malt available, I think that's Cana- Canadian malting maybe or Canada malting. <laughs> I, I can't think of it, but it's, you know,
0: Bob's malting company,
1: Bob, <laughs> Bob Joe's. <laughs> if I switch to that, I think people would start saying, what the hell happened to your beer? You know what I mean, and and I'm just talking base malt. I'm not talking. But like, do
0: you think do you think you could have started from day one, made good beer using mediocre to crappy malt, and people then wouldn't have noticed? Because it's <laughs> it's a different thing when you're switching well, versus you know a, a brewery that's just starting. So that that,
1: that's way. a that's a fair question, I think, and and I think part of it is is that number one, I'm I'm in my area. That's that's unique, right? <laughs> we weren't, I don't know, and, you know, if Alexander, if you're listening, which I know most of you don't listen to this, it's,
0: it's everybody else. There's got to be at least one person that I, I know, there's listen. multiple people because they come in and talk
1: about it all the time. Um, but there wasn't much craft beer out here before that. You know, the craft that's, beer... That's
0: a nice way to put it. <laughs> well, the
1: craft beer guys would drive to Braxton or they drive to Darkness or they drive to Wooden Chaos. Right. But those... I mean, even talking to like Randy, he would say, well, there's not that many that, that come out right. from Alexandria because there's this barrier between Alexandrians and the rest of the world. I'll never figure it
0: out. But I, I understand it. a little. So my wife's family is from a similar type of area that is close to Cincinnati, but culturally and in uh, and, and, and that Traveling kind of wall thing that happens very far away from Cincinnati. They they stay in their their bubble and they yeah. don't they don't venture in as much. And that's not everybody. And I, before I get the emails, not I, I understand some of you do, but <clears throat> you know it. There's something about like when you live somewhere that is different than the places around you. There is that 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 thing that holds you there too because you you like that you like that 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 thing that's different <laughs> is. Right, why, why you live here, too, for a lot of people well
1: and and I feel like that's the reason a lot of people are moving here and i and Alexandria is becoming much more diversified even since we've opened our doors it's
0: It's that thing that, as an adult, makes you move to a place like Alexandria, yeah. as like a high schooler or something, makes you hate living here, and you're like, "I just have to get out of here, I yeah. got
1: go, I gotta go, I have to see the world you know? <laughs> well, I mean, I can almost say the same about Milford, and I, I've talked about that that's where I'm from. And, but I love Milford. I mean, right. and when I was a kid, you know, yeah, I wanted to get out, but Milford, but Milford today is very
0: different my, than Milford. Then oh yeah, yeah.
1: Well, Milford was a lot like Alexandria is now, right. um, when I, when I was young, um, and now it's kind of, you know, Alexandria is heading, it actually, uh, the, I, and I know I've talked about this too. I, I actually see Alexandria becoming Milford in a few years, um, quicker than it wants to be, honestly, um. I just know from talking to people who've moved out here, there's a lot of people that have moved from Westchester. I would love love to see the
0: actual demographics of what Alexandria is today. So
1: what blew my mind about it is in northern Kentucky, and and I'm not including – I don't go as far south as – I think I'm leaving out part of Boone County with this because I I go by zip codes when I pulled all that information when we were starting it. Alexandria in particular has the highest per capita income in Northern Kentucky. And, and I'm trying to triple crown. That's the neighborhood I'm trying to, right. I, I'm not that we didn't include that at all because the drive from there is 45 minutes to here. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I consider that Northern Kentucky or not, you know, it's kind of heading towards, it's, it's almost at the 71, 75 split in, in Kentucky, not in Ohio, For those you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but you know i think the average income from what i remember is like 71 or 72,000 and i thought it was going to be fort thomas honestly because everybody talks about fort thomas right. as being fort thomas was like 45,000 wow and i think part of it is is that you know a lot of people move to fort thomas to be in that school district but they're kind of on the fringes of fort thomas zip code and there's
0: there's also this weird thing and and again i'm completely generalizing and don't send me the email i understand There's something about people that move to a place like Fort Thomas or Oakley or wherever it may be to to be around a certain culture that they want to be around versus people that want to kind of get away from all of that.
1: Well, I think it's kind of more (laughs) of um, they feel like they have to prove something or fit into a mold. Well, yeah, I, I live in Fort Thomas, you know, like you can brag about that to your friends or whatever. Whereas I think Alexandria is not like that. It's what we found here, and, and it's it's one of these weird, eye opening things to us. We thought that we were going to be pulling from NKU a lot, and our average customer is not the twenty two to thirty two year old we thought. Brilliant. Our average demographic is forty five, um, and a majority of the time it's it's like you come here and it's thirty, it's people between the thirties and sixty five. I'd say. Um, all people that are at least on their second home, they moved out here to raise their family. Uh, a lot of them, and this is kind of what I'm going, what I was starting to move to, they're built, they built a really nice subdivision back here that's, that's higher end. It kind of reminds you of something in Westchester or Mason or, um, even Anderson. Right. Um, they tucked it back so you really can't see it. And <laughs> it, no, it, it, but it, it's kind of the way Alexander is. They, they right. hide things. Right. Uh, there's a lot of nice neighborhoods out here that are the same way and um everybody that comes in here from there has moved from anderson they've moved from mason they've moved from westchester and it's just people kind of realize that number one you get a bigger bang for your buck in kentucky and and i'm you know i'm from ohio i love ohio i always say we're on the wrong side of the river i'm always joking when i say that but you know it it's it's just you know you you have you have thick ties to where you come from um But they, uh, the people that move out here are kind of realizing that, hey, it's a much better commute for me. I'm not driving 45 minutes, getting stuck in rush hour every single morning and then driving two hours home every night because it's, it's crazy, you know. Instead, they hop on 471 and they're at work. You know, if they work downtown, they're at work in 20 minutes, half hour. Right. Um and, you know, that's on a weekday, you know, when there's no rush hour or anything like that. If you hit every light on your way out here from Fountain Square, you can make it here in 15 minutes. So, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's it kind is. of like you get you get bigger land, you get more land, you get less taxes. Um, the only big difference that I've noticed moving out here is that they have a property tax on your car and everything <laughs> like that, too, which is... Which is weird in my mind, but as your vehicle depreciates, so does that tax goes my, down. My my
0: brother just, I mean, I, I say just recently, but it was it's been a, a year, I guess at this point. Moved back from living in North Carolina in Charlotte, yeah. And in North Carolina, it was like it was taxed. Everything was taxed. You know, the it, you know your your car, all of those things. It was built into that kind of stuff the same way. You know? Not like that in Ohio. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, Ohio has higher taxes on their, um, but it's, it, you know, your villages that you live in right. too. So that's another weird thing about Kentucky to me is everything's the city of, and, and, you know, I'm from Milford, which is, it, it's a, the only city in Claremont County. So like you hear about the city of it, it's bigger. You know what I mean? And then right. I come to the city of Alexandria and it's not big at all. It's, <laughs> it's small. So. Um,
0: the, I promise we're a city of Alexandria. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's drink another beer. Um, what did you think of that one? You never... It was good. Like, it, again, I just don't understand still what I'm looking for in an Oktoberfest. Especially when, you know, <laughs> we're, we're here in Cincinnati and there's how many Oktoberfests this year? Everybody's got an Oktoberfest. And yeah. there's, there's this big spectrum of things of what that means.
1: So my go-to was always Oktoberfuel. I personally like mine a little bit better this year than that than than theirs and this year theirs was a little bit more roasty than it has been well and I, I and liked
0: I liked that a lot this year that, that it had that roast but that was because and a lot of like when you're putting things next to each other yeah things that stand out make it taste quote-unquote better because it's different and uh this doesn't have that that this leans more towards the sweeter side versus the roasty side which in my
1: mind that's how it should be though and and that's that might be my hiccup with it this year and and normally I think that this is kind of how their's tasted two years ago so I don't know it's it's, but awesome. it, it's not it's not it's not quite as dark as I'd wanted it to be it, it actually looked darker going into the tank I don't know what happened but
0: something happened um, how long did you lager this one? Not as long as I'd like to.
1: Um, I think we got about three and a half weeks on it. I normally like a good 45 days of lagering. Um, and, and to me, and this is probably just me being critical of myself again, I think that it... I, I'll get a little technical here for you, but do you know what a diacetyl rest is?
0: I mean, I've heard you talk about it. Okay. I know what diacetyl is, if that helps.
1: Okay. <laughs> so in lagering, you 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 get to where... I always look at it as, as hey, we're... We're coming towards the end of our primary fermentation, which is usually anywhere between 10 and 14 days in a lager. Right. Um, If you have lagering tanks, which we do not, it goes a little bit quicker because lager
0: lager yeast, as most people know, works on the bottom. So a lagering tank, are those the horizontal kind of big, you know. So when you go, if anybody's been to like Budweiser, you look at their tanks, they're these big, giant, horizontal... You know what they Tanks. kind of remind
1: me of is like a, a propane tank in your backyard or something that's, like that, that's, but bigger, much yeah. bigger.
0: Of course, at, at Budweiser, Budweiser, they're stacked in this. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could get we, – we're it's, looking at – pretty incredible to
1: see. We've kind of discussed – I shouldn't say we're looking at We're kind of discussed about – there's a manufacturer now that does a 10-barrel lagering tank, and they ta- they stack two on top of each other, and it takes just about as much footprint as a I think it will be, be cool. Well, your, your thing is, is on a lagering tank – your yeast is at the bottom so it spreads out and you get more contact you right. get more surface contact so it's going to ferment more and uh, and your regular conical tank which is what we have now it takes longer because it's got to work its way around now we set our tanks for convection once we start once it starts primary fermentation uh, usually two to three days in meaning that and i'm going to get crazier here for people who don't know what the hell i'm talking about but most tanks they have at least two jackets on them sometimes they have three sometimes they have four it's so all about the size of them.
0: so jackets are literally like a i call jack it's it's like a a, a a jacket that goes around the tank it's a double wall kind of idea right so
1: what they have is they have like this dimpled. they call it dimpled steel so it um it actually like i don't know i think about like I've got a cool pillow, like one that's a cooling <laughs> pillow, and I know that that's crazy, but it, it's like it's got like little checkers on it, right? Right. So it's kind of the same thing, except it's like circles, like about the size of a quarter, and it just gets it like there's air in between the dimples and the steel, and then that's up against the flat side of the inner wall of my jacket. So inside of that, there we pump glycol, which is set at 21 degrees, which cools everything down and keeps everything at a fixed temperature.
0: So when you talk about the different uh, the different jackets, it's different. Different uh, different It's so a, d- a different uh, different different circuit of
1: Well <laughs> Nobody could see that. <laughs> that I'm trying? Like, a so it's different heights. So each jacket's about um, let's say twelve inches probably tall.
0: But it's a different it's a different circuit of glycol that's circling around right, this tank. So right. you have like one set of coils that kind of wrap around this tank basically right. keeping that cool and then a whole separate set up here so those can be separate temperatures.
1: No well you don't you don't normally set them at separate temperatures. You set it all at one temperature and it's kind of like a simple they call it an actuated valve but all it does is just open and close based on what your glycol needs are. So if we set a tank at let's say 68 degrees and and you know the the internal temperature of the tank gets up to uh, let's say 69, all of a sudden it's going to open up that actuated valve and let glycol in to whatever jacket is open. So the example I always think of is that at Siebel what they kind of talked about was, okay, top when you're in active fermentation, top jacket is all the way for open. Middle jacket is about halfway open. So you're talking about a manual valve, a ball valve that you're opening and closing. You open it about halfway, and your bottom one is closed. And the reason you're doing that is you want the top to be the coldest because it's going to fall. And as it warms back up, it's going to rise back up to the top. So you've got this – I call that convection. And it's a natural convection of it just constantly turning inside.
0: Would that be opposite with a logger though, because of the way the – No,
1: you always still want the convection going.
0: But, but as far as, like, doesn't all of – you know, so – with with ale yeast it's fermenting up top so that's where it's it's
1: about stirring okay so what you're trying to do is you're just trying to get surface contact by stirring it and lager yeast is it's kind of weird because it's kind of i don't want to describe it this way but it's it's the way that makes most sense it kind of is like powdered sugar it's not at all but you know just kind of the appearance of it it's kind of like these big clumps and they're kind of like Dots, almost, or something like that. I, it, I
0: have I have to interrupt for one second. Okay. So I don't. I'm assuming that the sound from the music is coming through on the microphones a little bit. You guys is a Spotify? What, what do you guys subscribe to?
1: We've got um, Pandora for business. Pandora,
0: okay, Pandora. I appreciate your Oktoberfest <laughs> mix. <laughs> Am I hearing, what I'm hearing? <laughs> To go from like this traditional German music to Chumba <laughs> Are they a German band? <laughs> I know they're like from England or something. No, they're from. It's a drinking song, though. Know. Definitely not Germany, I could. tell you. That. But this is a drinking song about drinking vodka, isn't it? It's about drinking everything. I thought it was about vodka. And then pissing the night away. <laughs> Sorry, it's all right. It's just
1: well, they, it's they had um, like I told you, they had uh, Dropkick Murphys on here earlier, and I was like, what, what the <laughs> heck? And you know, if it was a drinking song, I'd kind of understand it because they've had these random, like, just peppered in songs about alcohol.
0: But I, then, so. Dropkick Murphys to me always do fall into like a drinking playlist, and if this was like a a drinking radio, all right, I get it. Like this makes you want to drink, and like I, I get that, but it's fast. <laughs> I don't know. You you Sorry, talk to them I'm about their gonna algorithm. A, I'm going to send an email to Pandora tonight.
1: Make it nasty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now I lost my train. Of we bio. need. We were talking about uh,
1: L- lager yeast. Yes. So I, I always think of it as kind of clumpy. I guess that's the best word for it, where ale yeast is kind of like a milkshake. Okay. Does that make sense? I mean, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when you pile it up, it all looks like dirt, <laughs> like this real milky dirt. I don't know how to describe it. But but the clumpiness, you can definitely see. Like if you held them, just a big pile of lager yeast and a big pile of ale yeast, after you take it out of the tank next to each other, you could see the difference. So in my mind, and I could be 100% wrong, and I'm sure I'm going to get corrected by it, on it by somebody
0: you're usually the one that sends me the correction emails from people that yeah (laughs)
1: but I I think that I think that you know the lager yeast might be a little bit heavier so it takes a little bit longer to churn when we're getting to convection or whatever but you still want it set the same way you don't want that bottom to be colder because you want it just to turn the jacket itself is insulated so it's never really getting that much hotter. You're talking about like a degree, half a degree to a degree, degree difference in the bottom that causes it to rise up to the top, and then it gets cold well, and it falls down. You can even see down. if
0: anybody's ever homebrewed before and put it in a carboy and watched it ferment. Like you can see that there is some kind of even in like a small. There's not thing, much, but you can but you can see how like the the, the there's there's movement, movement there's yeah. movement going on yeah. like it's this active thing that's that's.
1: Yeah, but you, you do convection and then your movement becomes, it, it actually helps fermentation go quicker. And that that's the point of it. Um, and if you have a lager tank, you still set it for convection.
0: At least is it. I, the, is it the, but how does the jacketing work on that? Because, you know, I, I have not looked at one since brewing
1: school. So I can't.
0: I would think the jacketing would, would run kind of the, right. the same so way. I think you're right. So I
1: don't think, I don't know. I. It would make more sense if they did it. If they did it like all the way across, but then you've got a problem with your manway being in the way and everything else like that. So, <laughs> I don't know. I have to look at it. I mean, honestly, I've got I've got the blueprints for what that that I've been kind of looking at my um my partners. We we know that we need
0: at least one you more, need tank. more. tanks. <laughs> well, we know it.
1: I mean, the thing is, is that you know we've had a real ugly situation that's finally. Somewhat resolved, going on, and it's been plaguing us since before we opened. Right, Um, and you know it's 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 this
0: not not on the beer side, more on like a business side. Yeah,
1: and I'm not, you know, I'm not at liberty to get into, but
0: I don't want people to start thinking that there's some kind of weird, ugly thing happening with your beer. And no, 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 it's it's
1: it was something on the business side. Um, and uh. You know, we we finally got that resolved, and now we're to the point where we think we can finally start. You know, maybe hitting our our actual potential in terms of production, and um, hopefully, if we if we can get it to the point, our distribution game's been up a little bit, and if we can get it up a little bit more, we get to the point where it's worth it to invest in another tank. But right now, all we're doing is is really satisfying our tap room need, and then we have. We have a pile that we set aside for distribution and it's kind of well, nobody knows who you are, you guys need to get out to the market. Right. Oh, uh, we've got one of our partners out there doing um, doing sales calls right now. So it's it, it's moving things along, you know.
0: It's it's to also have something like if you put in a, a loggering tank like that, something that says, Hey, look, we're we're dedicated to loggers. We this is something that we do, something that we're always going to do, something that you're always going to see on tap here. That well, does mean something too. I mean, not to say that there aren't other breweries that always have a logger on tap, but well, the, maybe not. Like maybe sometimes you walk into one of these places that is really good at loggers, and maybe there isn't one on tap, or there's only your well, least favorite one. You know, it's.
1: I'll never say we're really good at loggers because I'm I'm uh, I'm raised with that Catholic guilt where I think everything I do is terrible. Right. So. Um I I think though I I dedicate a tank every month for lagering. I mean every every production cycle we have, we we always have a lager going. We sell out of our lager quicker than we sell out of any other beer. And then we have to wait 45 to 90 days later to replenish it. And but
0: and I That does think, mean something though. No,
1: no, it's a, it's a good thing, don't get me wrong, but at the same time it's We realize we recognize that there's a need for it, but at the same time it's a tough need for us to fulfill right now when we can make a beer a lot quicker and you know, have those same lager people that that want the lager, like our blonde. I mean our blonde's done in like fourteen days or something like that, where our lager takes forty five days. So these two tanks that we're looking at, they're stacked on top of each other. That's the only way it comes. And it's a it's ten on the bottom, ten on the top. So Right away, the bottom ta- the bottom is twice as much as we can put pro- in one of our current tanks. Right, and then to have that again, so we can have two different loggers going at the same time, we can maybe meet some distribution demands on it, and maybe just save seven for our tap room and send seven or send three barrels out the door, which is a total of six kegs. It doesn't sound like much, but it's enough to get us. You know, it's one of these things that that I always dedicate a beer to logger because or a tank to logger because. It satisfies my active mind, if that makes sense. Loggers are a lot tougher to brew. Everybody thinks they're a lot simpler in terms of flavor. Well, it's
0: it's funny because they like, they are so much more difficult to brew, yet they are on the on the drinking side. Like they, on one hand, there's there's still a lot going on in a lot of lagers, Yeah, but they're also really easy to drink. Yeah, <laughs> like well, it's just there's something about lager that to me is still like i feel like not that i don't love ales because i do and and we're going to talk about this next one next okay. but i still like i feel like lagers are the it's the progression of brewing science that we kind of like uh,
1: i gotta interrupt you right <laughs> now we've got weird al Yankovic on. <laughs> It's doing one of his polka (laughs) things and I just heard sledgehammer. (laughs) Sorry.
0: Pandora was (laughs) listening and they're now just screwing with us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just heard it out of the I was like I was like so focused on what you're saying that I'm like, wait a second, this is Peter Gabriel, but it's not (laughs) Sorry, go ahead.
0: So when you talk about brewing, you know, ales were first and everybody made ales and it was just flavor and and these big things happening like big yeah, big kind of big flavors and then as well, see, I, as people I, started I, to refine that science of brewing it moved into lagers and making beers that are clear and beers that are beautiful to look at and beers that are, are more nuanced and and that go down easier and like but what, one
1: thing that was brought up to me my first day at Sebel is what's the most popular beverage in the world
0: uh, yeah 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 water yeah right
1: and, and what should you be striving to make? I mean, it's the reason American light lagers outsell, still outsell craft beer. It's the reason seltzers are catching on.
0: No, no. So now, <laughs> craft beer though is not about making the most popular beverage in the world.
1: It's not at all. But but you got to understand that that's where this desire for lager came from in the first place. It's a lot. It's a lot cleaner. It's a lot. I mean, you also got to think about like what brewing science was before the Germans got so. their hands on it.
0: If and this is this is the only thing we'll touch on on hard seltzer <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> you want me to go get your
1: sample? No, I,
0: I'll try it after the show. Um, if you're trying to to hit as many people as possible, and 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 again, if this is the goal to make something that is the most popular beverage in the world, just make bottled water. Like, just make a bunch of bottled water. You've got.
1: Look, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you there, but but here's the thing: we've got people coming in and demanding it. it. I get it. And if it's if your cost basis on it is a lot cheaper to make it yourself, because let me tell you something, hard sell to.
0: And the conversation is also a little bit different here in Kentucky than it was in Ohio when we were talking at Garrett at Streetside, because the, I mean, granted they have a license where they can they can serve other people's things, but um, the, the conversation is different here because it's a lot easier for you just to serve. Yeah. Hard seltzer and And, cider. And and you're
1: right. But, you know, at at the same time, you know, we're not trying to beat anybody (laughs) out on it. We're not trying to do it better than anybody else. We're trying to have one tap there for people who want it and say that that's what they need to drink. No, there's a lot of people that say, hey, I can only drink gluten-free. Fine. We've got a cider and we've got a seltzer. So if you don't like cider and you don't like the sweetness, you've got a dryness in the seltzer. And... It's there for you. It's not like this is what we're gearing our business towards or anything like that. And you know we've got, and I know everybody knows who I'm going to be talking about here. We've got a, well, we'll say it's it's one of our <laughs> one of our friends and 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 this industry. You know yeah, they make a great hard sell. too. They, we can we can they, talk about them. They do, and and you know the thing is is that it's we carry theirs, and we were selling so much. We carried um, Schmiernovs for a while, and we never sold it. It just sat and sat and sat. And then we got Braxton's in. We got Vive in, And it sold like crazy. And everybody kept going, well, when are you guys going to do your own? When are you going <laughs> to do your own? If they can do it, you can do it. And I said, you know what? I'll just experiment with it and see what we get. We only do it in our pilot system. I never see it getting to the point where it goes to distribution. I never see it getting to the point where we're canning it. If it does, great. Hey, we did something right. But, you know, and if that carries the rest of my... Fucking like experiments the way I want them to be carried, you know, to where I can just brew as much beer as I want and buy as many tanks as I want. Awesome. I hate to do it on cider, but or seltzer. But if that's what I do it on, that's what I do it on. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I a, just don't see it going that
0: way. It's, it's a really weird conversation. It, it is,
1: but I, I don't see it going that way. I, we're not trying to beat them out of the market. We have no desire. Personally, Brad and I have talked about it. We have no desire to even really. Be in that market but at the same time if our cost basis is lower than than carrying other people's seltzer in here and it's you know we don't have like the reverse osmosis filters we don't have any of that stuff that that you really need to make a, a i'm not saying ours is bad or anything like that but i don't like seltzer in general so i can't really talk talk about it but you know the stuff that you apparently need to make a quality seltzer why i mean we're just doing it for the people that want it when they come in.
0: Let's talk about something that is craft beer. Okay, sorry, <laughs> let's, I'm let's, not <laughs> the dead horse. Before. Let's talk about hefeweizen. See, I did it. <laughs> At least you didn't say weizen. <coughs> um, um, I already finished my sample while we were talking about lagers and seltzers. Okay. Um, talk about das Henker. What about it? We'll just talk about the beer. So, so it's a it, German hefeweizen, decocted. So not traditional. Is it normal to decoct a Hayfeweizen? Uh, yes. Hay <laughs> yes. Is, it, it's it's normal like with everybody around here because there's no. a lot of no. there's a lot of them, and I know that okay. not all of these places are when set say, up to. When you say normal, decocht.
1: I think of Schneider right. or or somebody like that, and that's that's normal. What you get with decoction, and and I don't quite understand the science completely behind it because. Honestly, there's not much on it anymore. It's it's an older style of brewing. The Germans are good at it. The rest of the world can kind of give it the middle finger. They, they either do step infusion or single step infusion. I've
0: heard two different sides of why decoction is important. And one is like a layering of flavors almost as you're kind of caramelizing malt or yeah. car- caramelizing wort. And then the other side is some kind of protein breakdown thing.
1: Well, that So what it used to be for is your malts, your malts weren't near as modified, right? So malt used to be, we, we bred malt to the point now where we have it at, and i got to think of these ratios now, but it's like 42% protein. It used right. to be something like 80%, pro, uh, it wasn't 80%, but it was like maybe 60% protein or something like that. Distiller's malt, if you ever look at that, that's like 55% protein. Um, and the whole point of it was is that you do, you come in at, at beta-glucan rest, which for those who don't know, it's 108 degrees. You draw your lower third out, which is your richest portion of wort. You raise that up, you boil it for, I think that time you only boil it for like 10 minutes. Then you bring it back in, you stir it all around. And at that point that should bring you up to 122, which is your protein rest. So there you're unlocking proteins that are in the malt already, Um, but you're getting it all out of there. Um, now you don't want to do that too long. You only want about a twenty-minute protein rest because too much protein is going to ruin your head. It's going to do a bunch of other weird Nobody stuff. Nobody wants head. Actually, ruined. I think you wind up with, with too much head. I, I can't remember. You put, There's you no put, such thing. I, I think it's fan um, free free <laughs> amino nitrogen that you it's wind definitely going to get an explicit head. rating. Yeah. <laughs> so then you pull your bottom third out and you boil that for twenty minutes. And when you bring it back in, that should bring you up to sacrification, which is your primary rest, and that's somewhere between. You've got a beta glucan, or I'm sorry, a beta amylase and an alpha amylase rest. The beta amylase, I can't remember the star point, but it's like somewhere in the 140s. It's like 146 to 154 or something like that. And alpha amylase is like 154 to like, or I'm sorry, it's like 152 to 168 or
0: something. But um, it's, it's all about breaking these different. Well,
1: I, I always look. The easiest way I think about it is: is you're you're unlock, you're opening enzymes up to unlock different things. So amylase is, um, it's it's the starch. So or amylate, I guess, is the starch or amylate. I, I can't remember. I've got a. So, if it ends with a s e that is the enzyme. So technically your protein rest is a proteinase rest, right? Or um, your beta-glucan rest is a beta-glucanase rest. Because it's it's all about unlocking or turning that, activating that enzyme is what you're doing at a certain temperature. And the way I look at it is, is that enzyme is like putting a key into a lock and it unlocks certain aspects. So like what you're doing is you're unlocking those starches to convert to sugars when you hit that alpha when you're in the amylase rest. Amylase is converting starches to sugars. And the lower that temperature is, when it's beta amylase, you're getting more simple sugars. When it's alpha amylase you're getting more complex sugars, but it's a sweetness that you're getting. So whether it's whether it's your complex dextrins, whether it's your um, whether it's your malt, maltriose or maltose, that's all gonna happen more so with the alpha amylase and your beta amylase is going to do the maltose and your um, not glucose maybe it is glucose I can't Um, sorry man it's been a long (laughs) week for me but it it doesn't matter it's the simple it's a one chain sugar so that your simple your simple sugar is a one chain sugar basically it's just I can't tell you what molecules make up that sugar but it's just like hey this is the simplest sugar there is right and then you get into maltose that's a two chain sugar you get into maltriose three chain and then dextrins or anything above and that's kind of getting into like almost a carbohydrate so, a lot of times, those complex sugars are lumped in with carbohydrates in terms of dietary concerns because when you're talking about, your body can't break those down as easy. They store it gets stored as right, fat. Right, right, you know. right. Same, same. Idea. Does that make sense?
0: It does. <laughs> what does so from from the okay. beer perspective? So, what I wind what I see with
1: decoction, I only do a one one phase decoction. That's what most anymore. There's no point of it because you don't. Our, 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 our malts are all well modified to the point where we don't have to do this decoction anymore. We only do it for a certain flavor, right. and you get that off of just your one decoction. And The way that we work and the way that I know other people in the area work, and it doesn't mean everybody, but a lot of them, we don't even take a third off the boiling. Um, I take one third of it and I just run it in at protein rest, I erase it to Sacrification and then I raise it to boiling. While it's raising up to boiling and it hits about 185, I bring the other two-thirds into my mash time and put that at protein rest. And by the time it's boiled 20 minutes, my other mash is in there, my other protein rest. The other two-thirds is there. I just transfer the one-third back over, and I get the same results. Does that make sense? It does.
0: So, but from from the... You, you talked about not needing to do it because of the the modified yeah. malt or whatever. It's it.
1: Well, that that's where the argument is in general because ma- malts are so modified, and most people believe you can do everything you need to do in one in a single step infusion. I disagree with that philosophy.
0: Well, can do, need to do are very right uh, relative terms. So, like, it definitely no, tastes I, different.
1: Yeah. So I, I find that it's not. It's not sweeter that you get out of it. I feel like if you do a single step infusion, it's always sweeter for a lager than if you do if you do decoction. I think if you do a multi-step infusion, which is you know you start your whole grain bill starts at let's say 120 for protein rest, and then you raise it up to whatever your sacrification is with with a sweeter lager, I usually do 152. Um, so if you if I raise it up to 152, if I just have those two steps or Technically, that's a three-step because I've got a lot of, of rays i got to go to as well, which is 168 degrees. And with all of all beer has to go to that. Or shouldn't say that either because there's some breweries <laughs> that don't do that. They just start a sparge and, and do it that way. Um, but what you wind up with is, in my mind, you wind up with like this. You you dole down that like over-the-top sweetness. And I don't know how that happens because technically you're caramelizing malt. Right. So I don't quite understand it, but I know that it works that way, and it doesn't seem like I get done with some craft loggers, and I'm just like, you know, I just have like that sugar coating all in my mouth, and it just feels. I, just,
0: I, I really want to try the same beer, one decocted, one not, just so I can really like understand, like cause, because because I've, I've definitely tasted those beers that have that kind of sweet thing, like you're talking yeah. about, and I don't, I don't understand where it's coming from. I don't I don't know if it's uh, just, just the way that beer is, you know. <laughs> like I don't so I, I like to understand like that difference between
1: The main time I ever notice it is in lagers though, and I will notice it in a Hefeweizen, too, but that's because you're so I I drank so much Hefeweizen when I was first getting into craft beer. I went over to Germany for, for a little bit and I got hooked on Hefeweizen and Dunkel. And this was before I uh, before I really started into craft beer, I was more into German beer and Belgian beer. Right. And, um, you know, you get you get accustomed to a taste. And Schneiderweiss was by far my favorite. So that was the one I was drinking the most of. My wife loved Schneiderweiss. And we would just, you know, we'd, we'd have a four-pack in our refrigerator at all times, it seemed like. And then when you go to a craft brewery, when we moved into craft and we got into the huge boom, and then all of a sudden they started doing Hefeweissens, it was like... There's something off on this, you know, and it was like too sweet. It wasn't quite where it needed to be. And then we go to Hopper and they nailed it. And the difference is the decoction. You know, that's what it that's what it comes down to. Um, I don't know. There's there's actually malt you can use. We, We actually I had an intern working for me and, uh. I wasn't paying attention to what he was doing, and it's on me because he was rather new at the time, and we went to go brew my Hefeweizen, and I didn't divide it out into a third and two-thirds on the, on the menu. I just had it as every malt goes in, so he started pouring every malt in, and there's some stuff, Melodonian, I think is what it's called, malt, and that mimics a decocted flavor, and we use that, and nobody really noticed the difference. I don't know how that works either. <laughs> so.
0: Right. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I'm rambling too much. No, I'm, but it's it's this is one of the few things in beer that really, really like I just I I desperate to understand and like I for me I I, I have to try it back to back and like, I don't think that there's a way to do like there's I there's mean, nobody you're a, that
1: you're asking a lot for a brewer to exactly that, that's a big for us for somebody our size that's a big risk to Well, take. for
0: anybody yeah. um... The places that are small enough to easily do something like that, they're not going to be decocting anyway, so you're not going to well, see we're, that. We're
1: small enough to do it, but then but then it's taking up two tanks with the same beer, Right. and what if the one isn't as good as the other? Then we're stuck selling it right. or, or sitting on it, and you know, it's kind of weird. I, I know that I was listening to your Saunders show. I'll tell you a good example. Our Irish Traveler, which is just an Irish dry stout, it, you could drink that all year. It's it's Similar to a Guinness, I think it's a little bit more um, chocolatey than a, than a Guinness right. would be. But um, because we named it Irish Traveler, it only sounds around St. Patrick's Day. Right. And, and we're sitting on four kegs of it right now that nobody was buying. Like, I don't want that. It's not St. Patrick's Day. We It was a bad name choice on ours. We could probably rebrand it and come out with something better, you know, and sell the crap out of I it. I
0: ran into it, too, up at, uh, at Common. They've got their... I mean, the name is not... They're, they're effing and blind, and they're their Irish Red. Yeah. I feel like... You walk in there and you see an Irish red on tap, and people kind of like, ah, it's not St. Patrick's Day. Only an Irish red. Please right. call it a red ale. Like it. Well, you can't <laughs> even call it a red ale anymore, <laughs>
1: though. There was a, a study done, and and they reviewed this. Like we did a marketing part at uh, at Sebel, and they basically said there's something about men and the word red, not the color red. <laughs> the word the red word. that turns. It's the reason ambers came about. Yeah. an amber is the same thing as a red ale for the most part. Sometimes they lighten it up sometimes they don't. but all they did was just say, well, why don't we call it an amber instead? That's funny And, and that's that's what sells. Uh, Amberbach that was going to be Redbach Great. and And I'm sure that's where that study came from. I guarantee you, <laughs> that kind of money behind it that right. would that would make that whole thing change what it is.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, uh, 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 you know we've we've talked about that a lot on this show too about you know styles and the difference it makes to have something called one thing versus another on the tap board and yeah. if it you know if you put that same beer on and just called it two different things how much of a a sales difference it would make
1: <laughs> it, it's such a weird <laughs> thing though and and I'll I guess I'll never understand that because I'm always one that's willing to take a chance on well I mean, that,
0: that's the way I am too like when I walk in I want to try what the newest thing is but. Maybe, like, it does still affect, like, my perception of that thing when I do try it. Um, I, don't know. I, I don't know.
1: I don't know. I don't know either. I, I you know, I, I just try, excuse me, I think a big part of it was is I had this friend who was in the army with me. Um, That really brought me full board into craft beer. He's He's now a cop up in Dayton and he doesn't drink beer at all anymore, which is, kind of the funny thing about it but you know he was so overboard with it that we did blind tastings he would drive down or i would go up there at least every other week it seemed like and we would do blind tastings of beer all the time just to Mm -hmm. say what's this what's this what's this and i can remember he gave me a guinness extra dry imported which i think now it's not it's not called imported anymore i think they just switched that or fixed it
0: I think I don't know.
1: I, I remember but it, he traded with somebody up in Canada to get it. Like it's something that they back then they never had in the United States. Well there was
0: also so at one time like the the foreign extra stout or whatever That's what it was. It was the There was there was a process thing that was different too years back and I don't know when that change happened that there was almost like a like a a sour thing that happened in it that they don't do now but I don't well, they used to know. use
1: Isinglass, and, and they don't do that
0: Well, anymore. that's, yeah, that's...
1: Um, but that shouldn't make that big of a difference, the flavor. What, what happened was, is what they were sending to the United States, was that it was the extra... So for an extra stout. For, yeah, but they didn't call it... They, they changed it. It used right. to just be called extra. And in Canada, it was called import extra stout. Right. And the difference was, is that that's what you could buy the rest of the world. And I guess unless you're in Ireland, then it's probably just called extra stout. Um, but it's extra dry, is what that was short for. If I remember right. Are you looking it up right now?
0: I'm trying to look it up.
1: And he had this thing and, and he brought it down and he did his tasting of regular Guinness. You know, with the the can that had, and I didn't know what he poured for me. It was just the can that had the widget in it, the nitrogen widget. Then he had the American Extra and then he had the one that he got from Canada. And I was like, this beer is just so fantastic. He's like, yeah, they're all Guinness.
0: Yeah. <coughs> Guinness West India Porter, the direct predecessor for an extra stout, was first exported.
1: That's not what it was either, though. Uh,
0: well, I can't Google that fast, all right? <laughs> this is why I, it's need like right. a, I need a whole separate person on the show that just Googles things as yeah. we're talking. <laughs> like Joe I, Rogan.
1: Yeah, I, I can't. You know, I can't even remember, though, but he told me that that's what that was. It was the Canadian version versus... He's like, you drank the American version second. He's like, clear. I knew what the first one was. I mean, I'm like, oh, it's Guinness. Guinness well, I would, down.
0: I would be interested, too. So everybody talks about how Guinness tastes different when you're in Ireland than it does here. And everything that Guinness says, it's it's the same beer. But for some reason, it whether it's a freshness thing or whatever. Yeah, it's
1: probably a freshness thing. I mean, think about sending it over in a tank. It sits in some import yard for at least a couple of weeks, warm.
0: I would be curious, though, to snag some Guinness from ireland
1: well i hated but i but, I, but again, I didn't talk it about side by side, side, by side yeah.
0: blind like really like taste these things and see if it's just a bunch of and and not that like perception plays a lot into oh, yeah, beer and like there's nothing wrong with using perception to make a beer better um but I, I just out of curiosity just to see if there is a difference that i pick up i'll be very interested in that so, if anybody that listens to the show lives in Ireland, send me some beer. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it on the air.
1: You know, um, but but then you're gonna have that same problem. It's gonna be stuck in... Uh,
0: yeah. I I don't know. you, I can, you can get a, uh, a a little bit of Guinness in a box through FedEx into the United States pretty freaking quick.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> just as
0: just as quick as uh, as anything else. Um, uh, talking about beers, that perception and marketing and calling it one thing. May hurt or help sales at different times of the year. Let's talk about the pumpkin beer. Okay. Flesh of the pumpkin. Why do you guys call it a pumpkin beer? I, mean, I, mean, I, I, I know why you call it a pumpkin <laughs> beer. Why? Why not call it like a like a fall uh, ale? Ale. <laughs> I mean, no, but I mean, you get where I'm going
1: because it's got pumpkin in it, and you know, number one, I, I, I don't know of anybody that has a pumpkin allergy, but who knows?
0: It's got to exist. Yeah, I bet there's some middle-aged lady in Uh, fort thomas that uh, has a pumpkin allergy (laughs) you might be right i I don't that's that's not nice and i know i'm generalizing the uh culture of fort thomas i'm sorry
1: (laughs) no but i i'm not i'm just saying you don't there's that number one i mean what am i gonna say spiced fall ale
0: featuring or with pumpkin so let me rephrase the question though does do you and you, this is not the first time you guys, you guys yeah. have made this beer. Does it hurt that it says pumpkin on it when we roll into November and December? No, if not, you have not for left? us.
1: But the thing, the thing is, is that we've got a different market than everybody else too. Now, I'll tell you, a distributor will not buy it from us if if they mm-hmm. they wanted it, they wanted it last month. Um, we we offered to send some out last year. we were like, hey, we're going to have our October fest. Do you want to pick any of this up? You know, for the end of October, no. Uh, We're already done with pumpkin. And I'm like, well, it's only October. How are you already done with it? It's not even Halloween yet, you know? I think out here, people appreciate it more. Number one, ours is a little bit different than everybody else's. Um,
0: You know, I... I, I, Again, the, the perception of things interests me so much because, like, I try this, and yes, it's pumpkin. I definitely taste pumpkin. But I'm really curious if I could get it in front of somebody that says, I don't like pumpkin beers completely They're away not, from the context of yeah. everything if anybody would say oh i don't like this it's got pumpkin in it or if somebody like well i like dark beers i like these big kind of roasty like these these multi-layers of different flavors in here that are like,
1: i think it comes in it, that that comes to alexandria being newer to and i don't mean and again don't mean everybody in alexandria but we're newer here um and before there wasn't much craft beer. I mean, they had the crafty brands at like Ruby Tuesdays or O'Charlies, but you can't—you couldn't even go around here and unless you went to a liquor store, you couldn't pick up like Ryan Guys. You couldn't pick right. up. You Braxton wasn't even on, you know. And that's—you got to go down to Mellow Mushroom is probably the closest place. So you've got this whole—all these people out here that I feel are trying new beers for the first time. A lo- not everybody, but a lot of them are. And then they're like, wow, I really like that. So if they like it, why not continue to try it? I, I, I think my dad would be the perfect example of who you're talking about, though. If you gave it to him and said, hey, this isn't a pumpkin beer, what would he think about that? He probably would say, it's still too much cinnamon, too much something in it for him. But
0: I'm more curious if like, you just completely remove it from that entire context Yeah, and just... Grab somebody that you knew doesn't like pumpkin beers. Sit them at the bar. Pour well, that, them that's a pint what I was talking about. to about. My
1: dad would be the perfect guy to do that too. But at the same time, I think he would come back and say, "Well, there's too much cinnamon." My dad's not a big—he likes cinnamon, but he's not a fan of nutmeg or allspice. And I think that's what would, what right. would ruin it for him. You know, um, I don't know. I mean, we we put a shit a shit ton of graham cracker in it, which, on top of the pumpkin, makes my life a living hell. <laughs> Um, and then on top of that, you know, we, we put a lot of spice into it too. And we put a little bit
0: of vanilla bean in it. Um, did you guys do variants of this this year?
1: Yeah. It's actually in that barrel right there that I'm pointing to that everybody on air could see. <laughs> um, I filled it yesterday. It's, um, it's actually roasted marshmallow barrel aged. Uh, will come out around Christmas. But last year we held a keg of this back and we held, we did a, just a barrel-aged variant, and my pilot barrel, which I, I know you've seen. It's just like a little five-gallon Man. barrel, and uh, we we did that, and we sold that stuff so quick. Everybody was so excited that we came out with it that. You now I, I don't know. I think I think my personally, I always think of pumpkin pie around Thanksgiving. 'Cause my aunt makes it from scratch. We go over there for, for Thanksgiving. It seems like that's something everybody it's a staple for a lot of people.
0: It's perfect for me all fall. As soon as it starts getting like really cold and I start getting this winter thing. And not, not that it's not that it's not good then, but like it just all of a sudden like I don't I don't want it anymore. And it's well, it, even before October. Like if it's it can be September twenty fourth and yeah. somebody can put it, like, you know, some of the you know, you put pumpkin in front of me. I love Pumpkin. I'm not drinking in September 24th because it's September. I, I want it in October. I'm not ready for fall yet, like and so like and yeah. I don't know what that is in my head that it's not a. The beer doesn't taste any different. Well, it's something in me that like it's like I'm not ready to open myself up to that yet. <laughs> to, to me,
1: that flavor that that cinnamon that nutmeg it goes all the way through the holidays.
0: This is perfect today yeah. because I got up this morning and it was like 50 degrees outside. What was it three days ago? It was ninety degrees outside and sunny. I don't want this beer. Oh well, no!
1: But we wouldn't sell it that day either. I, I guarantee nobody would come in and buy it. But that's—it's a heavier beer too. It's ten point oh eight percent alcohol. I mean, nobody wants that. That.
0: Well, I mean, you <laughs> know, the only one that will
1: really sell, and, and I'm not saying I'm not saying nobody, but I'm saying a majority of people when it's that hot, the only one that will really sell is go hop yourself. Um, other than that, we—I don't know. We don't, we don't move our heavier beers in the summer. Like, even, even that our... That makes sense, but... it, 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 it You know, it, it's just one of those weird thing. I'm trying to say it's a weird thing, but, you know, these people have... We have a lady that absolutely loves JWR, and she'll come in anytime we have it on, which is our Belgian triple. Anytime we have it on, she'll come in. It could be 110 degrees outside, and she'll drink it. She'll be the only one. <laughs> we'll sell one a week, and we'll know who it went to. <laughs> um... But you know, you get more into fall, winter, spring. We'll sell it. We'll sell it all the time. Right. So we try our best to kind of take our foot off the gas a little bit on the on the higher ABV ones. Now we did do a bottle release of Saturn Ascends over the summer, which was just kind of um, we had a lot of people bugging us about it, and mm-hmm. I, I don't mean in a bad way. It was just kind of when's it coming back? When's it coming back? When's it coming back? And we set aside four kegs from. 2019
0: there has to be some segment of beer drinkers that are just barrel aged big beer drinkers i mean clearly braxton there opened the, the the barrel house clearly there's a market of people that want there, there that.
1: are there are but i don't see braxton the way that they're going to capitalize on that is a lot different than the way that that you normally would i mean they've got their regular beers at that barrel well, and House too though and 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 that
0: remains to be seen still too i, I i'm when we get into next summer and there's that 104 degree day where, you know, you walk outside and just immediately start sweating. I'm going to go to the barrel house. I'm going to see what people are drinking. And I, I'm going to assume, and Braxton, I I love the barrel house and I love barrel aged beer, but I'm going to assume that the majority of people in there are going to be walking around with cans of Vive and, and glasses of summer trip or whatever. And and
1: that's, I mean, that would be, I I would agree with that. And I'm fairly certain Jake and, and Evan would agree with that too. Um, I, I just think number
0: one, I look at or it. maybe they're going to be drinking barrel aged five. Who knows? Well, there might.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: somebody's going to do
1: it. I know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure
0: it'll be March first. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> just to mess with everybody.
1: <laughs> but you've got so. I, I think the thing is, is that you will have one or two psychos that are like. Hundred ten degrees. let's drink. What's the strongest beer you got?
0: You know, right. Well, I mean, so my my <laughs> my local bar is Jungle Gems. That's yeah. the place I go to more often than not because I can pretend like I'm grocery shopping while I drink. Yeah. And you, when you sit at that or stand at that bar because you can't sit because they don't like us to sit. Um, <laughs> there's no stools at the bar. You have to stand. You need to go to the one in Eastgate. <laughs> well, uh, that's a whole other. That's a whole other show and whole other discussion. Um. <laughs> it, it, you see people walk up to the bar, and that's immediately what they do. They they scan the list, or just straight up ask, "What's the highest ABV you got?" Yeah, and like the ma- I can't say the majority of people, but a huge proportion of the people at Jungle Gyms, Fairfield that drink there, that's the way they pick their beer. That's that's strange to me. Like I I've, I'm a very seasonal drinker. Like I yeah. it's I, I wake up and I, I that. Well, What's what's happening outside and how it feels and what's going on in my life? Those are the things that define what I'm drinking. Not
1: so. I, I'll tell you personally, weather doesn't affect me. It's it's everything. It's other it affects aspect. me
0: so much.
1: <laughs> now, if if I'm working outside, yeah, I'm probably not going to be drinking our. I'm probably not going to be drinking a Saturn of Sins. I'll probably be drinking our Wrecker Ralph, which is it's got electrolytes.
0: Uh, I mean, that's, but and, as it goes. Uh. <laughs> that's that. And that's different too. If I'm working outside and I'm sweating, I'm all, I'm already going to kind of lean yeah. towards something else regardless of what's going on. But if I'm, even if it's like, you know, 40 degrees outside and I'm out in the yard, like clearing brush or something, yeah. I'm, I'm still not going for a barrel aged Imperial stout. I'm still drinking some well, a little bit lighter. that's where you and I might but, differ. But, but when I finish, I'll be damned if I'm not drinking a barrel aged Imperial stout as well, I burn that brush. <laughs>
1: yeah. It, it's, or warming back up. You know, I think that's the other, the other aspect of it, you know, that. I think of those beers as warming beers. But if I'm if I'm working here and I've had a really long, tough day, and it's 110 outside, but it's only 80 degrees in here or whatever. Only. Oh <laughs> well, no, I say that because our <laughs> air conditioner is always set at 72 or our heater air conditioner, it's always right around 70, 72. But this is a huge building, and sometimes it's a little tough when it's the way this summer was. We never got it under 74 degrees. Um it's finally starting to drop off now. But I, our our electric bill <laughs> <laughs> was awful this summer. I mean we got we got three air conditioners in here and, and they were all working overtime. Um but you know if it's if I'm back you gotta think about this though too. I'm I'm working with a steam generator, which is a boiler, but electric for those who don't know. Um I've got heat coming, just radiating off those pipes, the return pipes on those. I've got my HLT, which is my hot liquor tank that's radiating heat. And then I'm cleaning with 185 degree water.
0: Most people who are craft beer fans for a longer period of time, like that was... You remember what tap rooms were like when that first started to be a thing. Like it wasn't... A yeah. nice air conditioned space. So you th- right. think think Rivertown or Rivertown one one yeah. What do we call Rivertown? Lachlan. we'll call it um, Lochland. Or the current Cincy Brewing Company. When you when you walk in, like if it's hot outside, it's hot in there. Yeah. Like it's not
1: Well, so I'll get done with that and you know, maybe while I'm working I'll have I'll have a gozer or something like that if I'm drinking at all. Usually it's just water. Right. And then when I get done, yeah, I've had such a hard day because I've been dealing with that heat all day and it's 110 degrees outside. I'm dealing with 185 degree water. Steam's just my beard's poofed out like a, like a, <laughs> Your
0: beard like gets a crazy. Yeti.
1: Dude, my <laughs> hair gets crazy. Everything, it, it's just the steam. And then I, I come back and I'm like, man, I am beat. I'm going to drink a Saturn Ascends. It might be 110 degrees outside, but you know, I need something to just kind of relax. And it's not that I'm, I'm a big fan of saying that if you're to the point where you say, I need a beer, that's the time you shouldn't be drinking you know you should be drinking because because you're enjoying it you're not drinking to escape i'm not drinking to escape at that point i'm drinking to relax and that that 10 point whatever percent alcohol going to help me relax a little bit quicker than you know my three point four percent ralph uh,
0: An episode of uh, Drinking with a Gnome that I've been working on for a long time is why? Why do we drink? And I think you did your first part of it here. <laughs> I, yeah, I was actually importing it into my new editing software like yesterday. I think trying to to piece pieces of it together. It will. It'll happen sometime. <laughs> it'll. It'll eventually be live, um, and. You know, the thing I keep coming back to is, is connection. Like, you're trying to connect with something. Right. And, you know, be it connect with people, connect with a, a memory, to connect with something. Yeah. And, and sometimes when you get done with a day like that, you're just trying to connect with normalcy. And you're trying to get something that kind of pulls you away from all of that other stuff and yeah. brings you back to just normalcy. Like, lets it all kind of lift off of your shoulders <laughs> and... Yeah. Beer, beer's good about that.
1: I, and, I, and I agree with that, you know, and I think that that's kind of, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not going to beat a
0: dead horse with it. But, <laughs> I,
1: you know, but that that's, I think, I, I, I think that Jake's one of the smartest business people I know. And I, I don't know if I've ever said that on this before or not, but he, he's a tough nut to crack. But once you actually open him up and he starts talking to you about stuff, the amount of knowledge that guy has for business, and I'm not talking about brewing. I, you yeah. could say, hey, Jake, we need to sell this widget. And if he knows you and he likes you, holy crap, he opens up and he's just like this. you talk about
0: Jake Rouse. From yeah, the, from ja- yeah,
1: I'm sorry. I, I should have been clear about that. So I think going into that, he realizes, yeah, we've got this place. He's looking at it more as another neighborhood they're opening up in instead of as, well, all we're going to sell here is barrel beer. But that's the
0: brilliance of it to
1: me. Oh, it is. It, it is. is. It's both, but I don't, like think, it, I don't yes. think I don't think other people look at it that like way. They're going to originally. Gonna, you I know, think other people are like, man, this is so cool what they're doing. And I think I think Jake is looking at it like, well, now we've got another market, and we've got a really strong footholding here, which is it's,
0: I agree, it's genius. You've got this 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 big giant patio that's tacked onto the the front of this this s- ish tap room. Yeah, it's designed for that. Soccer mom who's out walking her dog and wants to stop by and grab a, a summer trip or a fucking seltzer, like whatever that is. Like it's <laughs> it's designed for that, and you can stop there and you can hang out and 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 do that. Even though this is a barrel aging facility, you walk yeah. in that basement; it's a massive I, barrel the, aging facility. I've seen the pictures. I haven't made it over there it's yet, but
1: a, it, it's ridiculous. But it's
0: it, it, it's like you combine those two things so perfectly,
1: and I think. Deep down, Evan might not want to admit it, but I think deep down he knows that that's the point of it, too.
0: And I, th- I think he knows. I, I, <laughs> and I, I think he would admit it, though, too. But like admitting I that... I don't know if he'd admit it in public. but it,
1: <laughs> I think behind doors he might admit it. Admitting that you're a,
0: creating a space for people to sit and drink Vive enables a, pl- a, a guy like Evan to have that place yeah, that he can create... Well,
1: yeah, he he's just he's Orange, such a creative brewer at heart. Rye, you know what I mean? And, dark and, charge, yeah, <laughs>
0: whatever it's called, mandarin, what a, what a, mandarin rye, whatever.
1: Well, he, he's just such a creative guy, and he, and he's he's so dedicated to brewing. At least, at least from the times I've talked, you know, I I don't know what his business mind's like. I know what his brewing mind's like because if I need if I have questions, I need to ask or something like that. Usually, Adam over there to Evan or the two guys I turn to, and I think that if I ask a question that they don't know the answer to, they turn to Richard. Right. <laughs> and I think it's good to have that type of, that type of interaction with, with them. You know, I I know some people kind of give them a hard time.
0: Uh, and they do, The, the bigger the bigger places deserve a hard time. Braxton, Madtree, Ryan Geist, they deserve to get a little bit of, like, a hard time comes with being a leader of what's happening in a I, city like that. Like, it's, it's you're going to get I it.
1: I agree, but I, I also think that that they assembled in terms of brewing knowledge, they assembled like one of the best teams in Cincinnati. Oh oh yeah. And you know, a lot of people say, well,
0: and, and the the, talk specifically about Braxton and the the business side of things and the brewing side of things, they were very smart about how they put that team together, which is funny because it's, family. Yeah. <laughs> For the it, most
1: part. Well, and you know, I'm sure they don't always see eye to eye. I just think about if my brother and I were doing... I mean, I think about Brad and I. We don't always see eye to eye. Right. And I can't imagine if it was my brother. I think we'd probably be at, like, six or seven fistfights by now. Right. So, I don't know. I don't know how they get through it, but they do. They do things brilliantly in my mind. Um, I I mean, I'm, I'm promoting my competition here, but... <laughs> but you know, It's a community. I, I always feel like it is. I think that there are some people in the city that don't play as a community, but you know, Braxton, I'm going to say 90% of the time, they're a community player. I think
0: for the most part, people are playing very well together. Yeah. Um, before we dive into this last beer and wrap things up, Sorry. I do want to say one fun thing that um, at Braxton's Barrel House that I learned. It's not bullshit. They're still just finding barrels that they had stashed away in their Lubbock <laughs> warehouse. Like just finding things. Some of them, they don't know what they are. They have to apparently huge. They just have to try them to see what's in that barrel. There's some things that they forgot that they had that were from years back. I mean, like I don't know how much they they want to talk about yet, but like. There's some really, 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 really fun stuff that's sitting down there in, in in Fort Mitchell now that may become part of a Dark Charge release, may become part of just a random one-off barrel that And you may, may up, never see the light of day. <laughs> the light it's so fun that, that now they're starting to kind of yeah. organize all of that. And and I'm excited
1: for Evan, too, because I know that this is something he's wanted for a long time. It's something it's something that Brad and I have kind of talked about, too. Just before they even announced that they were doing it, we thought it'd be cool like, it's an old bank for sale down the road and we thought we'd call it like the ABC vault or something like that. Right. I think that would be kind of cool or, you know, our barrel vault or something, you know, we kind of played around with that, but at the end of the day, we don't have that <laughs> kind of capital yet. You just need more <laughs> tanks. Yeah. We, we need more tanks before we do any of that kind of stuff. But you know, you always, you always have your pipe dreams too. So
0: let's drink another beer. Um, um, this first was of all, what
1: do you think of the Hefeweizen?
0: I love Hefeweizen. He, Hefeweizen. <laughs> I I love them. Um, it's that the perfect uh so like when it's hot outside or when i'm sitting outside uh it fits that other side of the spectrum for me like uh, sometimes i might lean toward a a ralph or yeah. uh, some kind of light fruity thing if I want something that's a little more flavorful, I'm I'm going Hefeweizen uh, nine I, times out of ten.
1: I think our goal is to keep that as regular as possible. I think, you know, maybe in the winter we do our, our Dunkelweiss or our uh, Weisenbach, mm-hmm. But then, then you know, after the winter we go had, right back to the Hefeweizen.
0: I had somebody just send me an email the other day looking for wheat beers in northern Kentucky. So said, well, most places just kind of do them seasonally. You might get them in the summer and then they're gone. Yeah. Uh, but Alexandria is tapping theirs so well, <laughs> this week <laughs> we, we, we've we had it on almost all summer <laughs> we ran
1: we hit one month where we didn't and it's mainly because it sold quicker than we anticipated you know normally we brew it one, if we brew it a month we'll have it for two months um, it's not a big mover kind of sits right in the middle for us um, but we do get a higher yield out of that than we do you know normally I'm a five barrel brew house so normally I get about eight kegs out of a five barrel batch, which everybody's going to say, well, you you should be getting ten. That that doesn't happen. You lose a lot due to due to cold shrinkage. So it'll just
0: you know cold shrinkage. Yeah,
1: yep, yep. That's a great <laughs> that's a great term, right? Um, but really, you're what you're thinking about is the molecules in beer from your kettle, which is at 212 degrees, goes through your heat exchanger, which cools it down. It's an ale, cools it down to 68 to 75. You know, depending on groundwater. If I click on my, if I turn on my glycol to it, because I've got a two-stage two, two exchanger, um, I can get it cooled down to lagering temperatures, but it's kind of tough because if you're doing it just for ales, you got to turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off. To me, it's just a lot easier leaving the water on the whole time um, and just not worrying about glycol. And, you know, some days I'll have warmer starts than others, but that's fine. Um, the tank will get a cold enough on its own by the time I'm ready to put the yeast in it anyways. Um, But you wind up losing, and it, it, it you know, I, would, I know the theory behind it. I understand it, but between that temperature and the time that you cold crash it, so you're going 212 degrees to cold crashing, which is you know 32 and a half degrees, which is getting everything ready to go to the bright. Right. You lose so much beer in just that constriction of your molecules getting closer together because it's colder. That's crazy. It's nuts. It Like, I didn't think that would affect me so much on a fi- And then on top of that, you have your true Blossage, which is like your, your yeast and all the protein and everything that build up that you dump when it's cold. Um, So half a bison, which is nice about it. You don't have to, you don't lose as much true because a lot of stuff suspended in it. You wind up, I, I usually wind up with nine kegs of it. So I'm a little bit more fortunate with that one than the rest.
0: It's, it's awesome. Like I said, it's, there's something about that style. Like just, you know, I I know that the, the hazy IPA thing is popular and like, there's some kind of thing about that. There's, there is a, uh, the cousins in a lot of ways. Yeah. And a lot, well, it's, but I, I don't really care about the new Englands. I, that is not my thing at all but there's something about like the the and the 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 that body behind the beer yeah. like that
1: well that that's all wheat though too and that's i think that that's the big difference between a hazy ipa and and a, a true german or belgian wheat beer is that all that protein that's being suspended is you know i think ours is 55 or 60 percent wheat which is a giant pain in the that's part of the part of the advantage of decocting it, because if I don't decoct it, it, it takes forever to go from my from my mash to my kettle. Because it's, uh, it's, it's thick? So, well, so wheat doesn't have a husk on it. Barley does. And that, that husk acts as like part of your filtering bed. Gotcha. So if we're going through brewing processes here, there's the Vorloff, which is where you're just taking off the bottom and you're recirculating it to the top of your, of your mash bed. And you're just running it through to create its own filter. So you're filtering the beer itself through itself. And the more wheat you have in there, the less the gaps are for that liquid to go through. So what happens is you start compacting your grain bed to where it can get stuck real easy or go really slow through it. And and that becomes a problem. Does that make sense? It makes sense. So then when you go to transfer it... That same, you still have that same amount of force pulling down on it, but now you're taking stuff out, and not putting it back on top, and that's just compacting it even that much more. Um, so wheat's kind of troublesome because of that, but you get a lot more protein out of yeast as well, or wheat not, not yeast, but wheat right. get a lot more protein out of. Um, and with that, you wind up suspending more yeast. You know, I use a half of ice and. A of ice and yeast, which is low flo- flocculation, anyways. Which flocculation just means when you cold crash, everything falls to the bottom right. and comes out. Um, so that's difference between that and a New England is in New England, some people go over the top with the wheat, but that's not in my mind. That's a white IPA. That's not a
0: well. I mean, that's they... not an
1: IPA. Um, some people go over top with the oats because you're creating a lot of protein with both of those. That's suspended, but all you really have to do is just mash at a lower temperature somewhere between protein rest and beta amylase rest and you'll get a hazy enough beer and then you use an, you don't use the Hefeweizen strain you use an ale strain. Now I will tell you there's a, brewery, there's a brewer in Ohio that's really known for hazy beers and I'm not going to get much more into it um, but they gave me a tip on making hazy IPAs which is using this this enzyme—it's not an enzyme. It's a—it's uh, a yeast nutrient. It's called Tantal A. and what it does is it—it it actually they developed it for hef of to suspend everything. Right. And they do it. And if you look at their beers, you can't see through them at all. They—they're always accused of looking like salad dressing or orange juice, and, and it's <laughs> because <laughs> of that. But to me, I worry about that having too much of a yeast flavor to it. You know, you're hiding so much with with dry hopping things that that's fine, but you know at the core well
0: and sometimes like a lot of yeast doesn't sit well with me either like over t- <laughs> if you're spending all it, night drinking it hurts this your one <laughs> stuff yeah it g- gives me the shits yeah
1: <laughs> but but usually you have a half of it's is just suspended protein i mean some of that yeast is is low flocculating but you know we're not adding anything in it to keep that yeast suspended too I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not trying again. I don't want to put down anybody or anything like that right. because I think it's each their own. And some people definitely know what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're making the killing on it. So I can't really say no, that's fucking terrible because it's not. I mean, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, so it, it's, it's, a it's, I'm going to get all my soapbox here for one more second <laughs> and then we can talk about this last beer. Um, I, I'm part of a, of a, group on a social media platform and i don't want to get into that either like because then everybody will be following it and know what the fuck i'm talking about and i i don't really need that um because it's it's all about like uh anonymity on it you know and um really there's always somebody on there just they take a lot of pictures of how clear their beer is when they're transferring it and then there's always somebody that goes you know good for you not just throwing fruit and not understanding that your cans are going to explode. Yeah, well, that's that's fun for you to say because obviously somebody's hurting your business because of it. You know, <laughs> I I hate to say that I hate to be like that guy sticking up for for those guys because I know personally that that's not necessarily the soundest of brewing practices. But it's also very expensive to buy an inline an inline pasteurization.
0: But. There is a difference between um, being passionate about a product, and and there are breweries in town. You talk about high fruited beers, you know, urban artifacts. Oh, yeah. right yeah, yeah, but straight. that's not who I'm talking but, about. But but they will make these heavily fruited beers that are after fermentation right. and will not put them in cans. Won't put them in a crowler. It's only on draft. It's yeah, because it's dangerous to put it in cans.
1: <laughs> well, and, and we, I mean, to. That I mean,
0: we did do our Little far- bottles. I don't think yeah. it is doing in bottles, but <laughs>
1: well, we did it in bottles. We did our formulate in bottles. We put a notification on it saying, Keep this cold. Um, it's post you know, it's post fermentation, and there's always that uh, there's always that possibility that it's, right. it's a peach goza, there's always a possibility now. We didn't overload it with
0: peaches, you know, like but so much. The places that you're talking about are definitely overloading yeah. these beers yeah, with fruit. Yeah,
1: but like, like similar, you know, Urban Artifact does it, and they'll admit to it that they do it, but they keep a they keep it controlled when it's in the tap room. Once it leaves the tap room, you don't know what the hell's gonna happen with it. And it's part of the reason we wouldn't run it through distribution either. And we make sure our employees are all trained. Hey, make sure you read this warning label. We'll keep it in the refrigerator for you until you leave. Right. It, you know, that's kind of our attitude with it here, and and it's nothing. Basically, we made this formula, that, that festival that we were part of, we made a beer, it's a Peach Goza called Formulaid for it. We were the official beer of it. We thought it's, it's a Peach Goza, it's going to be summertime, it's going to be nice. They asked us, the, the, the producers of the festival asked us to bottle some for them. And that's the whole reason we got bottles. We're like, well, if we're going to just bottle, we're going to bottle a bunch and see how it does. And, right. So... There's easy ways to fix it, too. An urban artifact knows it. Everybody, every brewery knows it. You can buy an inline pasteuriza- pasteurizer, which is just, I don't know, it's probably every bit as tall as my tanks, but it's probably, I don't know, one, two, three, four. I'd probably say it's at least as wide as four of those tanks. And all it is is an inch and a half stainless piping that just wraps around in like a zigzag or kind of just, it looks like almost like a radiator. Right. And it's, Let me... pieces of it are jacketed with steam, and it starts getting hotter and hotter, and by the time it gets to the middle, it hits like 165, and then by the time it gets to the end, it it hits glycol and it starts cooling it down, and it gets back down to cold cold temperatures. And what you do is you go from your fermentation vessel to your bright tank, but you put that in between, and you're killing off all the yeast that's in it by doing that. I mean, that's the theory behind it. You're running it slow enough, this way your cans don't explode. But that's a very expensive actually the piece of equipment you can probably find them used because it's what they use in the dairy industry all the time you can find probably find it used but plumbing it in you're talking about two things i got to get plumbed into it which is high pressure steam which a lot of breweries don't operate on high pressure they operate on low pressure steam you know maya maya tree Rheingeist, high pressure all day Brand. us low pressure i do almost i'd almost say and i can't say it 100 percent certain but i'd almost say braxton's low pressure steam they, they might have a high pressure boiler, but their, their steam that they're pumping into it is probably low pressure, um, which actually we have a high pressure boiler, but we've got it set for low pressure. Um, so you've got to plumb all this stuff in. You've got to figure out where the hell you're going to put it. You've got to think about the size of the footprint it's going to take up. you got to figure out ways that you're going to be able to run every batch that you do from every fermenter from through that to your bright. And then you've got to worry, is that going to change my flavor profile?
0: But at what point when you are one of these brews, and we'll say 450 North, you know, the place that's That's, that's the really one popular, that's
1: always catching shit on on that in that group.
0: Because they had some serious issues with it, and they didn't really change anything. They just said, yeah, we tell you to keep it cold, and just well, kind of yeah. let it go. And, and like that to me, so like at, at what point when you see that you've got customers coming in that are trading your beer or are driving really far to get here and not bringing a cooler or whatever it may be. At what point do you have some kind of responsibility to them, to do something differently? To say, "Hey, we're well, making this this different type of product. You got to stop. Either you need to do this differently, or we need to do something differently." It'll be like so, a like a like a like a dairy farm. So there's say there's a dairy farm down the street, and yeah. people are lining up to buy their craft milk every well, day. Okay, so, and then throwing it in the back of their trunk and driving home, so and they get home and say, "This is all like chunky and nasty." Here's so, well, here's, yeah, here's your it's issue. not made for that.
1: Here's your issue with this, right? Like you're comparing. This is something that breweries are now under the scrutiny of the FDA. Dairy farms have been under it for a long time, which is why the fuck these inline pasteuriz- pasteurizers are in place. There's also tunnel pasteurizers, which is what like Sam Adams. They're huge. It's like a giant pizza oven that that's on a conveyor. Right. You put a lot of people for a, for a smaller brewery. That's a big buy but an inline pasteurizer you know if you're making your money and that's your bread and butter like 450 north and I'm not trying to call them out here by any means
0: But there's a lot of things that are expensive that are but a safety thing
1: but here's the thing right like okay I look at Listerman's when they started bringing in their New England IPAs they went from being like this kind of like and I would never call them like a a sideshow brewery or anything like that, but they were tiny. Nobody really knew who they were unless you were a home brewer. Um, you know, they started catching a following from Xavier a little bit, but it wasn't like, do you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to, yeah, they, they were known more for like their, um, the triple digit stuff than their, and the Listerman stuff. And they might not admit it, but that's the truth. Right. Um, and then they bring in New England, and all of a sudden they've, built that tap room. I mean, it, it's nice now. They've got an outdoor area seating that area. They have their
0: second tap room preparing to open. Yeah, Yeah, that, I,
1: right? I, yeah. I do know about that. Um, and then they, they bought the wine place from behind them. You know, you think about that type of, of building, that's all on one style of beer. 450 North is doing the exact same thing. They're selling their beer, and, and I never would say it's pricey because I don't like... It, it, Mar- market determines price. I don't, yeah, I don't care I don't who care
0: you about are. the price. I, I care about it blowing up on people's well, cars. But
1: but market determines price. So they're making, you know, your cost per beer, let's be honest here, is not what you're paying for. It, it's in those situations, you know, their packaging and everything like that, They're you're paying like, as a consumer, probably like four or five hundred percent more than it costs them to make. Again, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus or anything like that it's just it's the truth of the matter right right so you're paying twenty dollars for four pack of beer they're making money hand over fist with that why aren't they putting in that inline pasteurizer why aren't they thinking about that kind of stuff that's all i'm saying you know a brewery my size i'm not i don't have people driving out lining up to buy my peach but if
0: if tomorrow, all of a sudden you started seeing a whole list of posts of people saying, oh my god, I bought this peach Goza from Alexander and they're blowing up in my fridge and they're blowing up in my trunk and they're blowing up on my, my, my counter, something would change. Be we it, quit selling be it. It, you would not make that beer anymore, be it you would, if it was your biggest seller in the tap room and biggest thing coming out your door, you would add something to make it safe well, coming out the door. So
1: here's, here's the thing, right? At our size right now, we don't have and I, I would never say we're fortunate to not have that problem, because I would love to have that, that 450 North problem. I would love to sell out a beer every- You would every, love
0: for your beer to be blowing up on people's counters. No, no, <laughs> I'm not talking
1: about that. I'm just talking about their sales, no, gotcha. right? But something has to happen to get them to the point where they can buy that piece of equipment right. too, right? And and what they're probably doing is they're probably buying more tanks so they can make more beer instead of taking that precautionary step. Right. What I would do is, hey, we've made all this money, we're starting to have a little bit of a problem because people aren't reading the warning label. We're gonna buy this piece of equipment, get it installed, take care of it. That's what you should do. And I, I feel like I feel like most people in the industry would agree with me there. I, I don't know though. You know, I, I can only speak for myself and what I would what I would do.
0: I would be curious to hear from them why why they've chosen the route that they have.
1: Money. And and you know, you think about Is the business side of things? Would you rather put in something that you know the piece of equipment itself probably is going to cost you twenty thousand? Your installation's probably going to be somewhere between twenty and a hundred thousand, just depending on how far you have to run it and what you have to do. Or would you rather buy another tank for twelve thousand, pipe that thing in, make double the amount you are making now, buy another tank, make triple the amount you made in the first place, buy another tank? Make quadruple, and people keep lining up and selling out.
0: You're asking the wrong person, though. Like well, I, I just, I just dumped, you know, twelve hundred dollars into making it so my podcast didn't go eh, every once in a while. But
1: <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> but you got, you got to think about it from the business perspective of it, and, and and you're not. This is I. I know one day you'd like to make money on this, but this has always been a hobby for you too, right?
0: But wasn't it that yes but wasn't it that way with everybody that's I, I can't say everybody with making beer no but <laughs> that's, and that's, that's an easy and answer. that's the big thing like why you know we, we talked about the, a little bit of this again you know at, at streetside why why do you do this why why did you get into the beer business why do you why do you make beer and I think that that like if well, we can and, and I would honestly
1: say to people at 450 north are in there for the love of it I mean, just based on the signs, based on the
0: stuff that they not, haven't upgraded not, yet. Not based on things exploding on their customers' counters, but, though.
1: But I think that that's like this whole other issue that they don't—they're afraid to tackle. And, and I, this is going to sound bad too, because if 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 I say this, people are going to be like, "Well, then why aren't you doing it?" But those type of beers are kind of easy to make. It's it's a kettle sour goza right. or it's a kettle sour Berliner with a shit ton of fruit dumped into it post fermentation, right. when the beer's cold, pumped into a bright carbonated, and then put in
0: cans. Right. It, it, but the, you could you could flip that into seltzer. Seltzers are easy to make, but they don't explode. But again, like why don't you have a whole business that's centered around seltzers? Well, but but okay, so
1: they they started as probably homebrewers that and I don't know their story I so either. I can't get too much into this but you know they're homebrewers that are passionate they make this great product they think everybody is going to like it they they get far enough into brewing that they're like this is fucking great we're selling a ton of beer and at some point that switch in their brain either a maybe they never have had the formal training to understand that this is what we need to do to fix it
0: maybe they say they know that now though I, I don't know if they do they have to
1: I I don't know if they know that Technically, pasteurizing beer is never going to change the flavor of it, or it shouldn't change the flavor of it. Right. And if it is, that's because you've got way too much yeast in it, or something else that you're cooking instead of, you know. I'm not saying you got to run it through a filter, but at the same time, you should be doing at least a little bit of a of a cold crash and, and dumping that true before you put your fruit in. Right. So, you know that that's the only thing that they that I would worry about is cooking the yeast because yeast cooking has this. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. it. It's a weird flavor. If you you do a diacetyl rest, which we never got into, you, you would know exactly what I'm talking about because it just it changes the whole complexity of the beer. And you've got to learn what that smell is to get around it.
0: Um, I, I don't know. know.
1: We- we're beating. I'm beating a dead horse here. We're both beating a dead horse. Need it, to right?
0: need to talk to somebody from 450 North to get a real honest well, discussion going about it. But it's not just them too. But, a- but, they're, they're, the but good, they're they're the good they're a good example because everybody around here kind of uh, all of the, the geeks know them. We know their beers. We know the stories of things happening, and it's it's well, it's an easy one to pick.
1: And and again, I'm not I'm not putting down their business model. I'm not trying to say well you can all you want. I I'm. They found something that's working for them. They're successful with it. People love it. They're doing something right. At the same time, there might be a lack of knowledge. There might just be a lack of caring that they just haven't stepped it up to fix that issue. And there's a lot of people that'll tell you, in craft beer for a long time, pasteurization was considered uh, real negative. Um, And and I think to some extent it still is because if you pasteurize let's say, dark charge,
0: um, well, that's, and that's a whole different thing too. When you've got something that's designed to age and designed to, you, you
1: lose that whole aging. Ability yeah, it goes though. away. And, and that's that's kind of why it's a naughty word in craft beer is that you don't want you don't want this ability to not age your beer. But I don't know. It's, S- it's some things
0: aren't meant to be aged, though. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, almost any IPA is not meant to be right. Aged, so. Sorry.
0: Let's dive into this last beer <laughs> as we <laughs> that go way over. Sorry, man. Tell me about this because I don't know anything about it. So,
1: Okay. Um, so it's a weird story.
0: We, um, Does a say beard? A beard of Heaton. All right. So we
1: have a beer that's our Garden of Heaton. That's our Kentucky Common. Did it stop recording? On no, that I think we're like good. It looks like a look of
0: concern. No, it's just I think I messed up the view, but I think we're good. Hang on. All uh, right. Keep talking. We're good.
1: Okay. So, our Garden of Heaton is our uh, is our Kentucky Common. Um, what happened was is that I, I've used I, – I tend to use a cream ale yeast for it, but our cream ale yeast went a little bad. So, I dumped it, and I had a bag of – okay, so – this is not throwing them under the bus, and I want to be clear about that at the beginning because it's not their fault. Bad Tom approached me and said to me, "Hey, um, we're running out. Of, we're out of California ale. Do you have some that we can get from you until Monday when ours is coming in? We've got a we've got a guest. It was their Cleveland guy came down to Cincinnati to brew or something like that." And I said, "I don't have any packets of it, but I do have a brink." And we'll and it's due to get it's due to get transferred out so I'll go ahead and fill the brink for you and um, you know what a brink is no okay um, in our case it's just a keg that has two butterfly valves on it uh, what you do with it is you purge it with co2 so and,
0: in some places it's like a big tank yeah
1: it's they're huge in some places um, for us at our scale and I, I'd probably say well I even know wooden chaos
0: it's like a yeast the same. storage yeah, that, facility. Yeah, that's what it is. It, so, so on, you on Ghostbusters, the big red ghost containment facility, it's that Nailed it.
1: <laughs> so, But you take it out of the bottom. When you're dumping true you dump like your first, I don't know. You always get like this chunky kind of crusty stuff that's built mm. up in the pipe. And you you dump that out. And then you hook the hose up from the bottom of your tank, your dump valve, to your, your brink. And you fill your brink up. And this way you're reusing your yeast and you're not buying yeast all the time. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I I I'm gonna keep saying that too, so I'm sorry. Um, the make sense part, it's just a habit that I cannot <laughs> get rid of. I try, Mike Mike, my, my bartender. He's always giving me a hard time because he's like, I'm not stupid. You don't have to <laughs> ask me if it makes sense all the time. Um, but we I, I offered I offered to Sean. Yeah, we'll fill, I'll fill up a brink for you. Just bring your yeast when you. So you know, out of my five barrels, I probably get enough yeast for 15 barrels, it seems like. So I I gave it to him. Um, He used it, no problem at all. And uh, he he brought three brand-new bags of California Ale, which is WLP-001 White Labs yeast over to me, all labeled that way, just to be clear. (laughs) Brand-new in the mail, not his fault. One of them, the last bag we used was mislabeled by White Labs. <laughs> it was a Belgian culture, and it got into, like, four of our beers because I kept taking it off the bottom, using the brink, and putting it into another beer, and, you know, then I went to taste, and I'm like, what What happened here? So, you know, we've gone through most of them. We've got two left, um, which is By the Beard of Heaton and then our um, Up the Abbey, which Up the Abbey was supposed to be <laughs> our amber they tasted good. They weren't bad enough to dump. They just weren't what they should be. So we rebranded them. Um,
0: this is good. Like, it's not over the top, like, Belgian, kind of like in your face. Like, it still yeah. is.
1: Yeah. Well, that one, I actually, that was the last one, and I kind of caught it at the end, and we blended it in with some cold yeah, shoes. And, and it kind of, kind of knocked it down just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I like weird, it, but it was a weird situation. I mean, and I know I kind of took the long way to get there, but basically it was mislabeled yeast, and we made the best of of a bad situation. I guess what you do. Right? At least <laughs> it wasn't in it. At least it wasn't like in a stout or something where it really could have right. ruined it. You know, right. and, and I still have no idea what the strain was because it definitely isn't like my um, my normal like Trappist style
0: strain. Well, who that we knows? Have in here. It, with with White Labs, you never really. Yeah, I mean they so
1: many different. <laughs> but it could be. And, and, I mean, that's what I've got to assume because our cleaning regimen here is good. We haven't had the problem. It's not in any of our lines or anything like that. So we have to assume that it was just that one bag of yeast that got spread in four different tanks.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. It, it turned out all right, though. <laughs> I'm
1: going to knock on some wood here, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was It freaked me out. I, I took one sip of that, and I'm like, what the hell?
0: This is not what it's supposed to taste like. <laughs> I'm like
1: and then, then we, we got done with that the first one and I'm like, okay. Did I I'm like, no, I got it in I got it in something else too. And I was like, okay. Hopefully it's not in there. Maybe it was just in the hose I transferred or something. And I just need to clean the hose out and, and you know, run like a very hot sanitizing cycle through it. No, it was the yeast. It was all the yeast. Um, and it was the first cycle of it too, which is the worst part because normally, you know, I can get six to eight cycles per thing of yeast, and so I, d- I just dumped it all <laughs> after that.
0: <laughs> as we wrap up the show, an email just came through from GABF. Um, Twelve Ohio breweries won fifteen medals. Nice. Uh, and I'm reading the email as as I'm talking about this. So, fatheads led the field with three medals. Uh, Brink Brewing became the first to win the award for very small brewery of the year back-to-back. Um they won two gold medal two gold medals for uh the <laughs> second consecutive year in the sweet soda creams to and then Hold the Reigns took a third medal, a second gold in three years. The, the brewery has won at least one gabf medal in every year since its founding in 2017. it's pretty freaking cool yeah uh tafts uh took silver darkness win at all Tafts and against the grain of blue oh they teamed up okay um are you pricklish i, I don't know anything about that beer i'm not uh da, 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 Wolfs Ridge... Oh, here we go. Here's the breakdown. So, Brink Brewing one two. Hold the reins gold. Moozy gold. Listerman wore a gold for scoring discrepancies under field beer. <laughs> field beer. <laughs>
2: What's um, a field beer? I have
0: no idea. Uh, Rheingeist won silver for Quid, an English-style summer ale. Tafts won uh, silver worth of collaboration with Against the Grain. That's it for Cincinnati. That's yeah, still p- I
1: was hoping darkness darkness entered uh, Mayan sacrifice this year. We didn't enter anything.
0: Well, hats off to Brink, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, congratulations. I know, I know, Kelly works really hard there, and I know Andrew does too. <laughs> I, I know he kind of. Yeah,
0: well, he posted a picture of himself drinking Natterdays last night, so he doesn't uh, get in credit now.
1: <laughs> I, I know he. Ca- I, I don't know that whole situation with. I know that there was some ugliness for a minute, and I, I think that that's kind of blown over now. I don't know anything about it, so I'm not even going to speculate. Right. But um, I'm—I've always liked that dude, and, and I've always liked Kelly. So I, I know Kelly makes some good beer.
0: It makes great um, beer, but does GABF really matter?
1: It, I think it does and it doesn't. Like I think if it's Brink. I, I think I think the neighborhood that they're in especially it's it's trying to gentrify, but it's not in, and I don't like that term either because it kind of makes it seem like you're just kicking people out right um but you know personally i think it's it's not like right up the street where marty's hops and vines is it's a it's like a completely different neighborhood right but nobody really before they were there nobody really liked driving through that that part and um I think it's a reason for people that come from the east side in particular. They'll go out there, and that'll draw more people to the west side. Views. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you read somebody like that's doing great things. You know, maybe maybe we should enter it sometime, but I don't know.
0: I it's, it's a whole other show to talk about that. Yeah. Though, well, like, and the importance of it, and does it matter for one place over another? Like, some places I feel like you need to have some kind of medals to justify... Who you are, and then there's other places that that isn't, yeah, at all important to which what is, you do.
1: Which is something that, like, you know, you talk about. I talked about darkness. You know, they don't need. They can have a medal. They can not have one. Right. I, I think people would still like them the same. Right. Um. I, I think out here it might do us some good to draw some people in. I think we get some people down. Um. But. At the same time, that's just time I've got. I gotta try to figure out how <laughs> I'm to get more, it there. You just need more tanks. <laughs> um, I, we actually talked about like next year. I might, you know, we did um, Slayerator, which is our doppelbock, right? And I think next year, I, that was. I think go hop yourself is my personal favorite beer that I make. Um, I really like Cecilia's creation JWR too. Uh, I'm I, really partial to those beers.
0: I enjoyed the the a Ralph a lot for yeah. what it is,
1: <laughs> but see, I don't know. I don't know if that's a GABF type beer. No, though. no.
0: But I'm saying, like, as far as things that I enjoyed, yeah, like that was a, that was a really good beer. <laughs> well,
1: thank you. But but I think I think you know, in terms of stylistic guidelines, everything. I think, and it's the one beer I've actually said it about. The only thing that I found wrong with it was it was a little too flat. Um, other than that, I mean, we had people coming from Box Fest that, that just couldn't get enough of it, and they right. were mad that they only got one keg down there. So, to me, that says I did something right, and that would have been the one that I would have liked to enter, and, and you know, maybe next summer I'll brew it just so we have it for GABF. Um That's another one, though, that I left in the tank, I think, for 60 days just to make sure it was crisp and clean because, you know, I was going to Box Fest. It wasn't just staying here. And, right.
0: Well, and I hope that this time of year next year um you know we did the show last week at, at Sonder for Mason Oktoberfest I hope that that becomes the the Bach Fest of Oktoberfest <laughs> like I I, I love uh, Oktoberfest Cincinnati but it's a whole different thing at this point like to create that you know. kind of festival that has such a local beer focus Man, I I want to see every Oktoberfest at that festival next year. We
1: we would have loved to do something similar like that out here too, but I don't know. You know, we we entered um, the Covington one, which was put on by Braxton, right. and it was so early in the year that I didn't have anything ready for it. I, I sent I sent the Formula <laughs> Festival beer, um, but it turned out to be a good one because it was ninety five degrees that day right. too. So I don't know. I personally am a big fan of Oktoberfest being the last weekend of September, the first weekend of October. I think that that's always better time for it because when you think, the point of it is to celebrate the harvest and to welcome fall. You're celebrating fall coming and,
0: and summer going away. So My perfect Oktoberfest, it's hot during the day, cool at night. That's the that's the I, defining I'd say warm factor. Warm during for
1: me. the day. I don't like hot. I like warm. Well, yeah, the day. I mean that's uh, like seventies. Yeah. I'm happy.
0: I'm okay with with a little warmer than seventies for Oktoberfest. I want I want a little bit of heat during the day so that it makes that evening that much better when it cools down and makes the beer go down quicker. And yeah, that's what I want. But um, thank you. Hey,
1: you're
0: welcome. This, Thanks uh, for having me. I'm sorry I, I beat a dead horse. <laughs> 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 we. Uh, uh, you're always kind of you're, you're my go-to for the uh, the geeky <laughs> side of things. So I don't know. I think Scott LaFollette would be would be just as much if I could get him back on the show again. Yeah, uh, he would definitely be right up there. <laughs> um, if um, if anybody was confused by anything that we were talking about, just send Andy an email, like probably contact at Info. <laughs> let's, can, let's send it or that or way so I can have somebody screen it. for me. Or if you want to uh, to to correct anything that he said that you think he uh, he had wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Which there's probably a lot of it. And we're going to be back next week um, and we're going to be at... Hang on. I should have looked before I started the music. Next week we're at Westside. West Side, that's right. So they um, are another one of the uh, the great Oktoberfest of uh, 2019. But we're going to talk about some other stuff that they've got going on and um, we'll be back the week after that. And The week after that um, I started the music too soon. We uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> two weeks yeah, from now yeah so if you um if you like what we do on the show please support the show go to patreon.com slash the gnarly gnome and uh and support us there it helps immensely you have no idea the amount of things that uh that it enables me to do that uh will fix some of the issues that that, that you guys might not know about <laughs> and uh and share the show with your friends because that's how uh how it keeps growing it's not from advertising it's from people sharing it with their friends so you forgot your rusty bucket thing oh no we'll do that afterwards we'll do a separate okay. we'll do a, a live broadcast for that yeah All right. so we gave away a gift card oh. sorry. <laughs> scentsy broadcast the voice of Sensicraft. craft